Welcome to Stock Stories, episode 131. Welcome, 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 welcome to the Stock Stories Podcast. My name is Alex and I am your host and stock storyteller for today. Thank you so much for joining me. This is the podcast dedicated to helping you, the individual investor, make better investing decisions. And we do that by looking at case studies of real companies. We're going through the entire S&P 500 Well over several dozen companies already covered here on the podcast. And the second way we learn is by studying mental models. Mental models are the thought processes that we use to make better decisions. And in fact, we have one such episode for you today. Last week, we covered American Airlines. Interesting situation right now with that company. Interesting company. Hope you enjoyed that and Today, we're going to get right into the mental models. So without further ado, let's talk about fight or flight. All right, fight or flight. This is a mental model that stems from biology. So get ready to put on your science hat on. (laughs) Stay with me through the scientific concepts here if you're not a science type of person. But fight or flight really is a biological mechanism. What is this? What is fight or flight? It's a biological response to a threat. So it's somebody or an organism, whether a human or an animal, it's their natural instinct to either fight a threat and attack it or to run away from it. So either you're attacking something or you're running away. Now this was coined by a man named Walter Bradford Cannon of the Harvard Medical School back in the early 1900s. And what he tried to articulate with his research was that both the fight and flight responses are rooted and humanity's desire for self-preservation. So that's really what this whole mental model is about. It's about survival. How do we survive as beings, as a species? How do other animals on this earth survive? It comes down to fight or flight. This is very instinctual across really all organisms, all of biology. So again, this doesn't apply just to humans, but to all animals as well. So what is actually happening here? Why do we do this when we're confronted with something that scares us or seems to threaten us, whether or not the threat is real? We tend to do this. We either fight it or we run from it. Well, biologically, here's what's happening. First, there's a part of the brain called the amygdala. And the amygdala is the part of the brain that's responsible for perceived fear. So this part of the brain gets triggered and that sends a signal to another part of the brain called the hypothalamus. 
and that stimulates the automatic nervous system. So remember, everything inside your body and my body is connected. All of our organs are connected, blood flows through our veins, everything is connected to our organs, our, our skeletal system, our respiratory system, our nervous system. They all are systems in and of, of themselves, but they're all connected in a very powerful and complex way. And they all work together in order to determine our behavior, really. We're all walking chemical biologic, biological systems in a scientific sense. And so here, the brain is being triggered to stimulate the nervous system. Now, what is the automatic nervous system that I just mentioned? Well, to put it in simple terms, there are basically two parts of this automatic nervous system. Well, first of all, let me explain what it really is. The automatic nervous system is the way that the body controls response to stimuli. It's its unconscious response. So it's not something that we're consciously telling ourselves with our brain to do or not do. It's just automatic. It's just something that happens. So the two parts of the automatic nervous system are the sympathetic and the parasympathetic. So let's look at what these are. The sympathetic is triggered with the fight or flight reaction. Now this is what actually gets the body ready to act. Now the parasympathetic, this helps the body rest and then return to normal after the fight or flight response occurs. So imagine you encounter some type of a threat or perceived threat, your sympathetic nervous system kicks in high gear because it's triggered by your amygdala and your hypothalamus and you're like, okay, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to fight or I'm ready to run. And then after the moment passes and you kind of cool off for a little bit, that's when your parasympathetic nervous system kicks in and it helps prepare your body to come back to normal. And when this response is triggered, a lot of things can happen. So back to the sympathetic part of the process, physically you can have a lot of different symptoms or experiences. You can have increased heart rate, You might tremble a little bit. You'll have increased blood flow to your muscles. Your pupils can dilate. And you understand what this feels like if you can imagine any time where you were just really unexpectedly scared or maybe even just surprised in a really unexpected way. And you perceive something that was really, really scary or just really shocked you. You, Your muscles tense up and you start looking around and you start thinking, all right, am I going to fight this or am I going to run? So that's the feeling that I'm talking about here. And it's a very raw physical reaction when this happens. And the thing about the fight or flight response, it may seem kind of debilitating, right? Because it's an automatic biological response that we have as human beings. But, you know, it, it kind of means that we don't have control in a way because it's automatic. But really, this is evolution's way of protecting us. Again, back to the concept of self-preservation. This is, in many ways, what keeps us alive. It can help us react quickly when threats present themselves. Now, there's a flip side to this, too. This reaction can also hurt us because we can end up making the wrong decision because of a perceived threat. So just remember that not all threats are real. Let's look at some examples. So for example, have you ever just walked down the street and then there's been like a dog barking from a yard or from a window? (laughs) 
dogs bark all the time at things outside of the area that they're contained in, right? And this happens even when there's no real threat, but it's a dog's natural instinct to bark, to sound the alarm, to send an alert, maybe to their owners, maybe just to themselves, but they're sounding the alarm and they're alerting the surrounding area that there's something that they perceive as a threat, or maybe there's some other reason. Dogs bark for multiple reasons, of course, but that's just one example. Another example is people running across the street to get away from someone because they might perceive their appearance as scary or menacing. I mean, if you're walking down a sidewalk at night and it's dark and you see someone across the street that, you know, starts to pull a gun at you and they're kind of walking towards you pretty fast, what are you going to (laughs) do? I mean, if you don't have a gun on you yourself, you're probably going to run out of there. Or if you have a gun or some other way to defend yourself, you might approach them and try to take them on. But it's that fight or flight response. Another example is a tendency of, for example, people get into fights at bars sometimes when they're drunk and they think that someone else is threatening them for some reason. Whether or not that really happens or not, if they perceive it as a threat, they may want to get into a fight and mess them up real good just because they think they're trying to mess with them. So that can be an example of a fight-or-flight response, in this case exacerbated by the presence of alcohol. So there's this very visceral reaction that we all have, and none of us can escape from it. It's wired into our biology that we run or we fight different types of threats. Now, I'm actually leaving something out here. There's something that we can add to this framework, the traditional fight-or-flight framework That's kind of a third option. It's freezing. Freeze is when the natural response is to simply not move and neither fight nor flee. And we can observe this in human beings and also many animals as well. So this is the tendency for animals to play dead. So this is also known as tonic immobility or apparent death. Those are the fancy scientific terms for it. But play dead is basically what they're doing. And there are many animals that actually do this. Things like possums, that's probably the most common example. Frogs, some frogs actually do this. And snakes and rabbits also will just play dead because that's if they kind of mimic a dead animal, then they might not be perceived as attractive to a potential predator. And sometimes this is a common response and our natural reaction is to just not do anything, even if it's a bad idea. And I know this has happened to me at times. There have been times when something has happened, maybe a car is like pulling out of a parking lot or driving my direction, and I just kind of freeze. I don't really know what to do. And instead of running away, I'm just kind of stuck there. And so this can be added to the framework as well. So fight, flight, and then freeze is also something that can happen. Let's look at this now in an investing context. How can we apply this mental model to our investing practice? Well, one of the things is that there's often apparent danger looming in the stock market, right? Most commonly, it's when a stock or asset that we purchase suddenly drops in price, and it does so rapidly. And this can be really scary, especially if you're a new investor and you've never experienced those emotions before. Like, I get it. I've been there before. It can be scary when a stock that you bought just all of a sudden plummets, and you're like, oh, no, what did I do? 
and you have that feeling in the pit of your stomach. And this can be perceived as a threat, right? A very direct threat to your wealth because you're literally watching the numbers just fall right before your eyes. I don't know about you, but I definitely experienced that during this past, I'll call it the Corona crash, like during March timeframe when the stock market was just plummeting. Now I was actually kind of excited because I was able to buy some shares at pretty cheap prices, but there's that still initial reaction that I still had to fight of just, oh no, everything is dropping. So uh, that's, that's one thing that we have to look out for as investors. Now, for this reason alone, my personal belief is some people should never own stocks as an asset class at all. For many people, stocks are simply just not appropriate vehicles to build wealth. They are just too volatile in the short term. And I think this is an underestimated point that I wish more people really thought about. There's some people who very wisely decide that they're only going to invest in certain types of investments, like for example, rental real estate or bonds or their private businesses, whatever the case may be, but they avoid stocks because they know it's just not really for them. Psychologically, they understand that the fight or flight response will trigger them to permanently realize losses of their capital. And not to mention, it'll just make them feel bad and they don't want to, they don't want to feel bad. So I totally understand and endorse the fact that many people do not invest in stocks at all and frankly should not invest in stocks. But for you and I, we're the type of people that really like stocks as an asset class. We're okay with some volatility because we recognize that there is potential for a greater return here. So that's just a temperament thing that can be a difference between different people. And it's okay to recognize that. In fact, I think it's important to recognize that. Now, back to this example of a stock falling and plunging. Imagine that you hold a particular stock and then it just free falls. It just starts dropping in price. Now, how does this mental model play out in some of the possible responses? So one way that I think about this is the first response is fight. So how would you fight this? If you have this instinctive reaction to act and fight the situation, I mean, you're not physically fighting anything here because it's just numbers on a screen in your portfolio. But what are you going to do? I mean, this is a little bit hard to translate, but I think a mode of aggression could be exhibited by rapidly purchasing more shares of the security simply due to the price change. Have you ever had someone say, hey, I'm thinking about buying so-and-so stock. It just fell by 50% the other day. Have you ever heard things like that? I've heard that before. And you know what? It's a very tempting thing to buy something simply because it fell in price. And you kind of get that, that look in your eye like, yes, I'm about to get something, get a great deal. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be aggressive. Well, that's not always a great idea because something could be going from a stock could be going from highly overvalued to just somewhat overvalued. But before and after, it's still overvalued. <laughs> it's still not necessarily cheap or below its intrinsic value in order to purchase. So that's one example here. Now the fight response could also be manifested as selling the stock quickly. You know, you're fighting the idea that the stock could be worth less than what it was just a moment ago. You're, you're, you're scared. But I think more commonly, this is really the flight response, flight response, just run away. <laughs> and this is what happened in the dot-com bubble that crashed and 
so many investors ended up just bailing out because they had that fight or flight response. Oh no, I see that the stock price is plunging. I'm going to get out as soon as I can. And then of course that action, that very action of selling actually causes the price of the security to fall further, thereby speeding up the momentum of the entire process among the auction-wide system that is the stock market. And so more and more investors bail out of the stock and sell immediately. So it's really common for individual investors who get spooked for one reason or another to relinquish their ownership of an asset just because it suddenly falls in price. And then another response is freeze. So how does that, does that happen? So the investor in this case simply doesn't know what to do and they're afraid to take any action at all and they leave their shares alone and they don't buy or sell. They just, I'm just stuck, you know? Things are going crazy in the market right now. I'm just not gonna do anything. Now, though the behavior is the same, the motivation here is a little bit different than a logical analysis of the situation at hand and deciding to hold. So I wanna make this distinction very clear. In a free situation, that's different than making a conscious decision to hold your positions. There's a difference between ignoring a situation and pretending it doesn't exist and actually making a decision consciously. So in this scenario, what I'm talking about is just ignoring the situation and just saying, ah, I don't want to deal with it. I'm just not going to do anything. Now, that's not necessarily intelligent either, right? Because then that's a subconscious reaction and you're not letting your conscious brain make the decision. And you know what? It may end up working out because um, because you don't want to bail out too early out of a certain position. And you may get a good outcome, but it's not necessarily the right process. So think about that when you're in that situation when a stock that you own suddenly falls in price and you're thinking about what to do. Just make sure it's an informed decision for you and that it's logical and that you're truly acting in your own best interest and you're not doing something just because it's a fight, flight, or freeze response. So though this fight, flight, or freeze response, it helps sometimes in situations where there are physical threats, it can come to be a problem sometimes when we're dealing with things like investing, when we're dealing with abstract things. Our bodies evolutionarily just reacted to the environment that we were around. So if there was a saber-toothed tiger running across the plains and trying to eat our ancestors, then we either threw a spear at it to kill it or we ran and hid in a cave somewhere, right? It was just natural survival. But in the modern world, we don't necessarily have those same types of threats. We definitely still have very real physical threats that we face every day. For example, I think driving a car is a great example of this. Your subconscious brain basically allows you to drive a car. Like You don't actually think about all of the lane changes and the turns and the stops and looking in your rearview mirror. All of those things were done very consciously when you and I learned how to drive a car at the beginning, but over time, over a lot of repetitive practice and deliberate practice, they became part of our subconscious routines. So our brains are really just running a script. And so if something comes really fast at us and we just all of a sudden hit the brake in order to avoid a collision, that's a subconscious process. That's kind of like a, a fight or flight or freeze response, right? 
because there's a threat and we're reacting to it instinctively. So it can serve as well in that sense, but in the modern world, a lot of times it doesn't serve as well. And the stock market is a very good example of this phenomenon. If there's a stock falling really quickly and we just freeze up and we don't know what to do, that's not good. We need to be able to think through decisions logically. Do we buy, hold, or sell? And then move on to another decision that we need to make. Now, this can also apply if a stock rapidly goes up in price too. I mean, this could be seen as a threat as well, um, depending on your type of position. Maybe you're in a short position and your stock goes up and it just keeps going up and that can be really scary too. So fight, flight, or freeze, these are three different types of responses that we can just have subconsciously in many different situations. And the thing, the key here is not necessarily to try to rid these responses completely because like I said at the beginning, these are just hardcore biological processes that are wired into us as human beings. We can't avoid them completely, but we can recognize that they do exist and then work around them and set systems in place so that we're not always simply being reactive to things around us, being reactive to the way our portfolio is behaving. We can think it through things logically and recognize that this mental model, it really does exist and we're all subject to it. So that's the mental model I have for you today. Thank you so much for listening to the Stock Stories podcast. Again, my name is Alex. I am your stock storyteller and your host. Thank you so much for listening today. If you want to get in touch with me, I'd love to hear from you. Send me a direct message on Instagram at Stock Storyteller. That's at Stock Storyteller. Or you can send me an email, alex at stockstoriespodcast.com. Again, I love hearing from you and interacting with you either way. So if you would love to help the show, it would be great if you could do one simple thing, and that is just to share this podcast with a friend. Share it with a friend because word of mouth is the absolute best way that you and I can help grow this podcast and help this message of learning about the stock market and learning about specific companies and mental models spread to as many people who can benefit from it from it as possible. So please, if you can, take some time this week and just share the podcast with a friend. Thank you so much. I'll see you next week. presented here on stock stories is for informational educational and entertainment purposes only you and you alone are responsible for your investment and financial decisions please consult an appropriate tax legal or financial advisor that can analyze your specific situation in the context of your goals and circumstances